0: You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania.
1: Hey, it's Grace. Hey,
0: it's Sarah. And today we are going to dive into a little bit of an older case. I feel like the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at cases within the 21st century. So we're going to go back into the 90s for this one. Today, we're going to talk about Charlotte Fimiano. She was a 40-year-old real estate agent who had found great success in her field. Um, On September 11th, 1997, she was set to meet with a client for a showing. And then on September 12th, Her body was found with two gunshot wounds to the head, as well as evidence of strangulation that ended up being fatal. So she literally was going out to do her job and just meet up with a client and never came home and then was found dead. Um, And before we started recording, Grace and I were talking a little bit that this case sounds really familiar to me. And I don't know if it's because there's a similar case from a different state. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, But if anyone listening happens to know if there is another podcast that has done this case, let me know because it's driving me nuts and I can't find anything. So just post on our Facebook or message us and say, Sarah, you're an idiot. It's this podcast because it's going to drive me absolutely bonkers
1: well I would be an idiot too because I swear I've seen I've heard or seen it as well and I can't place it so please let us know And
0: I, I did make sure that we didn't already cover this one because <laughs> that's something well, that's I would do know. oh my goodness check now with you guys just in case I <laughs> forgot <laughs> Oh my goodness. So the house that she was showing was actually vacant. So the previous owners had already moved out. There was nothing in the house. It was located in Hellertown, which is in Northumberland County. It's kind of close-ish to Bethlehem. Is kind of the closest quote-unquote big city as kind of just a marker of where this is in the state if you don't know where northumberland is Um, if you really want to find the exact address and look at the house you can pull up just about any one of the sources linked on our blog and you can find the address but it currently is someone's house so i'm not just going to throw the address out on the podcast but it's way back off a road it's kind of like an alleyway that has no outlet and there's I believe three houses total three other houses sorry that are along that road and then this is the very last one it's the farthest back and it eventually the road splits into three and this house is kind of the straight a little bit off to the right house and then there's a bunch of land with woods behind it as well and this house is absolutely beautiful um obviously it's not you know like a 2022 house um because this was in the 90s but it has like really cool levels in it and just like stairways and it's just a cool old house and there's an indoor jacuzzi which i think is just awesome Like it's such a cool little, I don't know. I love it. There's fireplaces, um, the indoor jacuzzi, just like little step-ups
1: here and big shelves. And I don't know. It's just a really cool house. It is gorgeous. That's definitely um, like the type of house that Ben and I would be like, yep. (laughs) Yeah. And so right
0: now, it would obviously be probably closer to like half a million dollar house Mm -hmm. at the time it was just shy of like right around 300,000 so in 97 as a real estate agent you want to sell that house I mean that's (laughs)
1: that's going to get you a nice commission. I was just, I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, damn, she would have gotten such a good commission. Yeah. So she actually
0: that day was um, taking the, I forget what they called it, and I forgot to write it down, Um, but she was basically just taking the the one-off calls of people that were just saying hey can I see whatever property you know your sign is in the front yard whatever Mm -hmm. so she was the one who had that duty for the day and um, they called in the morning and in the afternoon is when she had gone to meet up with them so like I said we're gonna dive a little bit deeper into details, obviously, as we go, but that's just kind of a little bit of an overview of kind of where it is and what the house was like. Um, so like I said, the house is in Hellertown. She lived in Easton and she worked for Weikert uh, Realty, which is based out of Bethlehem. Well, the company's not, but her office was in Bethlehem. So anyway, uh, when I first started reading about this case, before I could really dig too far into anything, I had to get my brain in the right mindset for what it was like to be a realtor in 1997. Like I was an itty bitty baby at that point. So sorry. So. I have no context to pull from. So big shout out to uh, Teresa and Lindsay from Myrtle and Main Realty, which runs out of Perry County, because they answered a whole slew of questions for me and didn't even bat an eye when I said, hey, so I'm looking into a cold case for the podcast. Uh, What was it like to to be a realtor in the late 90s? And were you ever afraid that someone was just going to shoot you? Not exactly the way I phrased it, but Um, Those are the kinds
1: of connections that you need.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So they are a mother-daughter pair. I grew up with the daughter and her sisters. So I've known them my whole life. And I think that's why when I said, oh, I'm looking at an unsolved murder, they were like, whatever, that's Sarah. It's fine. So I am going to be throwing in some details from them throughout the story because I really wanted to get a feel for what it's like to be in real estate because I never really thought about it but you're constantly surrounded by strangers
1: and that's pretty frightening so I'd be sharing my location constantly oh yes and I'm sure people do now yeah I took
0: a train to Philly last week and was by myself and was sharing my location even though I was on the train because I was like I'm by myself someone's gonna find me and kill me on the train like that's I'm just gonna be dead so yeah even when i'm not meeting up with strangers i'm still <laughs> sharing my location with people now the big thing that stuck with me and really kind of struck me as odd with this whole case is that there was no knowledge of who the person was that was going to see the house um, now obviously things have changed since 1997 but apparently Even today, it's possible to have showings with people that you don't know, whose names and contact information you don't have. And really, until COVID hit, often you wouldn't know if everyone that you were showing a home to even had pre-approval for financing or if they had cash or if they were just kind of looking at any house to see what it would look like. Like, you really didn't know anything about people's situations, which is kind of terrifying but like the one thing that teresa who is the the mother of the pair that i mentioned earlier the one thing teresa kept telling me is it was just such a different world you didn't worry about those sort of things
1: i just i can't stop thinking i don't know if you watch bob's burgers but there was an episode where they pretend to be like rich and they go to like open houses just for the food so that's what i think (laughs) of when you say that (laughs) You don't know people's backgrounds. Right. Sorry, just trying to, t- trying to lighten the mood a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're
0: good. Um, so most of the time that you would see the kind of strangers coming in and not really knowing would be open houses. Because most of the time, if you're working with your client, like you know their budget, you get to know them, you know, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually... If it's an open house, that's where you run into more of the unknowns. Um, This, however, was not an open house. Like I said before, it was an established showing. Um, In the late 90s, though, you weren't using Zillow or Facebook or texting to get showings. So you didn't have direct contact to someone and you couldn't really vet them. Like I know one thing Lindsay said she does is she will look at someone's Facebook And try to at least find kind of common topics of interest, even just for conversation. Sure. But you couldn't do that then. You know, Mark Zuckerberg, the robot, was not created at that point. He's not a robot.
1: (laughs) He's a lizard person.
0: Oh, that's right. My bad. (laughs) Pigeons are robots. Yeah. Anyway, so... Okay. So without having Zillow and Facebook and texting to try to get to showings, you either had a realtor that you were working with, and typically that realtor would get a giant stack of available homes uh, once a week, I believe, and then they would sort through it and say, okay, well, um, Grace is looking for this type of house in this kind of neighborhood at this price point so here's seven from this packet that we're going to go check out and back then you would get in the car with the realtor and you would just take one car to these different houses um, which is a lot different than it is now where you know we would follow our realtor to the different houses but we were in our own car because if you got lost you had gps and could get where you needed to go. So if you didn't have a realtor that you were working with, and you were kind of on your own, you would just be looking for the signs in yards, which is still what I do. But you know, you would just kind of look around. And if you saw a house you wanted to look at you called the number on the sign.
1: Um, so that's, that sounds like so much work. I mean, having like working with a realtor and having a portal online where she put in our specific like criteria that we wanted for a home and they just pop up and then you get email alerts and I'm like, Oh, here's a home that fits our budget, blah, 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 for us to look at. It's not just like random or like the work is done for you. I can't, yes. I can't imagine any other way.
0: Yes. No, I am right there with you.
1: If not for Lindsay,
0: when we bought our house, I would have been pulling my hair out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a rough process in general, like to begin with. Yeah. So God, yeah, mm.
0: it's a daunting <laughs> task. And if you didn't have someone to help you find the properties, it would be a thousand times worse.
1: Oh my so God. we're such millennials. <laughs>
0: truth so the funny thing about signs too teresa was telling me that glamour shots were a really big thing and i remember doing them like as a kid <laughs> yeah. you know we would ladies from our church would have glamour shot parties and i would always end up going and i was like six and i just have these ridiculous glamour shot photos which for the adult women it looked fine but like I had so much makeup on as like a six or seven year old it was ridiculous anyway she said that a lot of times the realtors would use those kind of glamour shots on the signs that were put in yards and on mail out flyers and all over and you still see some of that now but a lot of at least in our area a lot of the signs that you see are just like the name of the real estate company or maybe Mm -hmm. the agent um, and then a number. And that's it. Like and I kind of forgot about it until she said anything. But whenever she said it, I remember seeing, you know, like Remax
1: signs with people's faces on them. And oh, like benches and stuff. Oh, yeah. And now I mean, sometimes I passed a billboard the other day with someone's face on it, but it's not common for sure yeah I'm like damn they must be important <laughs> or just have a lot of money yeah for real
0: but now she said she typically kept her face off of signs because it kind of felt like a risk almost she said it felt weird like people just always had access to her face and like yeah she's a real estate agent but you know she's also a mom and a wife and just a regular person and yeah, she said she definitely made that decision pretty early on in her career to just say, you know, I'm not putting my face a thousand places and I really don't blame her.
1: That's funny. Like pre-social media, that would seem weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: and now like they have social media pages, And, Mm -hmm. like, her face is on her social media page, but it's very different (laughs) than just having it, like, out physically printed somewhere.
1: Yeah. It's just
0: weird. But anyway, so before this showing, it is possible that Charlotte had the name of whoever she was meeting up with. But we don't even know if it would have been a real name because I could just call somewhere and say, hey, I want to see this house. My name is Buford Smith and beautiful name. uh, Thank you. And they would just say, "Okay, great. And they're never going to be able to actually trace me to that showing because not my real name. Right. So, however, it's also possible that maybe the person at the showing isn't the one that committed the murder. We'll kind of talk more about that when we get into theories. But the name of whoever the showing was for might not even be relevant at all. Regardless, it's still just not documented anywhere. Um, Through my digging, I couldn't find anything that gave a name, but the lead investigator was very tight-lipped about everything in the case. And he did at one point make a comment about the fact that you want to keep things close to the chest so that too much doesn't leak out, which... I think we talk about on like every episode. (laughs) Yeah. But he did allegedly this was from a blog post. This was from I think it was a Reddit post, Um, but it was the same information copied and pasted on like six different places. And most of it did come from an actual newspaper. Um, This part was just added to the blog, so I don't know how accurate it is. But the lead investigator was questioned about the name of the client, and his response was that police can't disclose if they know that information, which seemed like, okay, if you know it, I get that you can't tell anyone the name, but you can't even tell the public if you know the name. Hmm. Wow. I mean, very tight-lipped, just really not letting a lot of details out about this case. So all of that being said, I think it's easy to look at this situation, especially now in a world where, you know, we have smartphones and smartwatches and location trackers and all that jazz. I think it's easy for us to look at us and say, you know, she shouldn't have gone alone or, you know, she should have had something in place to protect herself. But ultimately, you know, 1997 wasn't 2022. Um, And like I said before, you know, it really just was a different world. People assumed that intentions were always innocent. And, you know, now I walk down the street in my neighborhood and see a car drive by and immediately say, oh, what a creep. Like, no, it's literally just someone driving home. But you didn't have true crime podcasts <laughs> and, you know, a bunch of murders every day all the time in northumberland county pennsylvania in 97 so it wasn't a huge concern i guess it wasn't a thought
1: i feel like we kind of think that a lot like in cases where it's like why was that six-year-old walking home alone in the 70s but Mm -hmm. like it's these cases and these incidents that lead us to you know put different safety measures in place and you know, think more quote unquote common sense that you wouldn't really think about prior to these things happening. So. Absolutely. And now there actually are apps specifically for real
0: estate agents to use. Um, Lindsay was telling me a little bit about it. She said she doesn't use it, but she has seen it. And, you know, she has colleagues that use it. And she was saying that you basically have kind of like a timer and you check in, like when you get to a location, when you unlock the door, and then um, she made a comment about you check in at different places. So I don't know if that's within the house, like if you just say, you know, first floor, basement, attic, whatever, and then eventually there's one that says, you know, closed the property, like locked it. Um, So I don't know if she meant different places within the house or if you're going to different locations, like different homes that you're right. looking at. But either way, it's an app that you can let the app know, you know, I'm here and I'm doing this. And then if you don't press the hey, I left button, then it starts to, to go through like, okay, sending alerts or reaching out to emergency contacts that you have programmed in the app or, you know, like things like that. Mm -hmm. So they do have some things in place now. Um, And then of course, you know, we are constantly being tracked by all of our smart technology. So you know, so Lindsay was also telling me that just to kind of keep herself safe, she will always clue in her husband who her husband is also a real estate agent and they work from the same office because it's their business. So she will always let her husband know and, you know, even just the quick You know, hey, I'm here. Client's not here yet or client just pulled in or, you know, whatever, especially when it's those situations where you don't know the people as well. Right. Um, She said she'll also use plural pronouns a lot like we and are instead of me and my just to kind of subconsciously reiterate the idea that people know I'm here. There are other people in my office there is a we to this um and she's like i don't know if it actually changes anything but it makes me feel better so i keep doing it that's really smart yeah yeah um and then she also told me that being in real estate is in the top 10 percent most dangerous jobs which
1: i never really
0: considered but it makes a lot of sense
1: yeah that's what i was thinking as well but. the top 10%. Like, wow. Yeah,
0: that's, that's crazy. But you know, when I think about dangerous jobs, I think of like truck drivers and policemen and, you know, people that are out in the public that are choosing, you know, like my husband chooses to drive an 18 wheeler and, you know, friends of ours that are policemen choose to go through the academy and you kind of know what you're getting into with things like that. Real estate is not like My first gut instinct would not be, oh, I need to carry a gun with me every time I show a house. Yeah. But a lot of them do, which is, again, it makes sense. I just never would have thought of that. So, all right back to Charlotte. Like I said before, she was working for Reichert Realty out of the Bethlehem office and she really was a superstar agent. So, she had gotten this phone call the morning of the 11th and they set up the showing for that afternoon. Her husband got home shortly before midnight. A couple articles said about between 11:30 and 11:45, others just said shortly before midnight. So, somewhere in that last half hour of the day and was very concerned when she wasn't home because it was 11:30 at night and your wife's not home so he called the police at that time and then her body was found the next morning again at that home that she had been showing now her daughter was actually home the night before as well and thought it was weird that her mom wasn't home a little after dinner time so she called her dad and then that's what prompted him to call police whenever he got home you know i mean if If Brendan got home and I wasn't there at 1130, again, now in 2022, it would be a text message or whatever. But, you know, if my phone was dead or something and I couldn't respond, he'd probably sleep on it. And in the morning, you know, maybe I was just at a friend's house or stuck in traffic or whatever. But the fact that the daughter hadn't seen her at all and then by the time the husband got home she still wasn't there that's definitely what prompted him to call police that night instead of just kind of sleeping on it and waiting till the next morning right. so her daughter christy and christy's boyfriend called charlotte's office and got the address and drove to the house now this was the next morning because obviously no one was in the office at eleven thirty at night and they saw charlotte's car parked in the driveway and they went to go up to the front door and they were greeted by police officers who like didn't let them into the house for obvious reasons because her mom was laying in a pool of her own blood
1: i can't imagine your heart dropping like seeing your mom's car there and the house is surrounded by cops
0: yeah so a reporter the day that she was discovered so on the 12th asked officers to comment on whether there was a danger to real estate agents at this time and one officer responded that you know obviously there was a homicide and the suspect was at large i mean it's an unsolved crime so yeah be aware that there's someone murdering people and getting away um but didn't really make any comments about the safety of real estate agents in the area. Um, And then as it turned out, there weren't any other local murders with that same M.O., which kind of makes me think it was targeted for her specifically, but maybe not. We'll talk a little bit more about that idea when we get down into theories. So there was a little bit of a connection to a different case from three years prior, but it was in Decatur, Illinois. So the most detailed information I could find was that there was an agent named Sherry Lewis, and she was also strangled to death in a house that she had been showing. Unlike Charlotte, Sherry wasn't shot. Um, So Charlotte's seems a little bit more personal almost um like shooting in the head twice plus strangulation um regardless strangulation is fairly personal but
1: that's just um, overkill unless their hands got tired did do you talk about like whether they said it was the strangulation that killed her or it's not i couldn't find it anywhere um
0: like i really it was difficult to find information on this again, I mean, it's a cold case, and police don't want to reveal too much, um, but that the lead investigator from the time really didn't want information getting out so um and I could see why that would be a piece that would be withheld right because if if someone said, you know, well, she died from the gunshots, not the strangulation, you know that's a huge detail because. They were both fatal wounds, Mm -hmm, for lack of a better term. Um, So now there were not any specific strong ties that could actually connect Sherry's case and Charlotte's case, and it's hard. I mean, you've got similar real estate agent in a home showing it, but there's really nothing more that can connect them.
1: It seems um, like a very convenient um, way to kind of get in there and murder someone. So yes, it could, they could be completely different and just right. The murderers kind of came to the same conclusion, had the same idea. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: Um, so the lead investigator that, I've been mentioning off and on, is named Robert Egan. And he alluded to some general tactics that they were using to try to solve the case, but again, really wasn't getting specific. He did say that they searched the wooded areas behind the house, and they were looking into some of those other murders of realtors to try to make those connections. But like I said, ultimately, they couldn't connect it to anything specific and then he also said despite the fact that he has solved so many cases people always bring this one up to him i mean like yeah yeah (laughs) if 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 this was solved people wouldn't bring it up and that's not to say he's doing anything wrong in in not having it solved or anything but it kind of feels like (laughs) duh yeah it's a little bit the mystery is what entices people you know says the person recording a cold case podcast episode so
1: I think people are into
0: it just a little bit so um I don't know maybe I misinterpreted what he meant by that but it just kind of I read it and I was (laughs) I did a little head cock like huh okay well yeah anyway um Now, Charlotte's sister is quoted as having told police that she no longer wanted the updates they were giving every few months because it was just breaking her heart. Oh, my God. Because basically they were calling the family together and saying, all right, here's what we've been trying to do. And every once in a while, they might say, you know, we have a new lead. There's a person we want to talk to. We've got some information. And really, through all of the articles that I was able to find and read. Police feel very confident that they are so close. uh, But I think it's just kind of they need that one extra or two extra pieces to really finalize a case against somebody. But they were updating the family and saying, you know, oh, we're looking into this person now or we're interviewing so and so next week. And she said it was just it was too painful to hear That they were still working on it, not because she wanted them to stop working on it, but because she just wanted it to be solved.
1: Yeah. Like, don't tell me anything until there's actually news. Until you've got someone in handcuffs. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I've pretty much run into multiple cases that I've been researching that maybe like a year or two ago, something was printed that police were like, we are right on the edge of solving this we we think we've got it and then nothing and that drives me absolutely bonkers so i can't imagine being like a family member and thinking oh we're so close and then it doesn't go anywhere kind of feels like an empty promise yeah
0: and that would be just salt in the wound of losing someone that you love yeah absolutely so she did say you know if you end up with someone in custody give me a call but anything else i can't do it anymore yeah now her sister was much younger um and she said that as she's gotten older she really sees a lot of charlotte in herself um a little bit of the personality but really just in the way they look i mean they were sisters they look similar um And every once in a while, someone will stare at her and she says she starts to get worried. She gets this gut feeling that maybe someone staring at her is seeing Charlotte in her face. And maybe they're the one that killed Charlotte. And, you know, she says, I can't live my life worried about every single person that makes eye contact with me. But there are definitely situations where she just kind of gets that, like, I don't like the way you're looking at me. It makes me feel weird mm. sort of feeling. Um, but I mean, obviously you can't interrogate everyone who looks at you and the odds of a murderer looking her in the eyes and just casually admitting to murdering her sister are slim to none.
1: Can you imagine that happening though? Like even if you found out later that that had happened and they had looked you in the eye, like, oh, <laughs> that's like some pretty little liars
0: (laughs) plot twists (laughs) there
1: no but i mean that would be
0: yeah yeah shivers no i don't yeah no um now there were a couple of questions online just comments on the different you know blog posts and reddit and all that fun stuff that were questioning the husband, um, like where he was, why did he get home at 1130 at night? What did he do for a living? It didn't strike me as odd at all that he came home at 1130 at night, but I didn't even think about that. (laughs) I mean, maybe it's because my husband has a weird work schedule. So you know, some days he leaves the house at 2 a.m. and other days he comes home at 4 a.m. I mean, it's just, I guess, because I'm used to that. Um, I didn't find an explanation of why he got home at 1130, but I'll be honest, I didn't look that hard because that specific detail really didn't bother me enough to
1: invest a lot of time into investigating it. Well, if he worked something, if he happened to work second shift, right? that would line up pretty well but i mean there could be so many a number of reasons why he could have had dinner with buddies or been at the bar gone somewhere
0: or i mean it's not like he was stumbling in the house at three o'clock covered (laughs) in blood you know people were definitely trying to make him the suspect
1: and well when you don't have any other leads where else are you gonna look well and you're always gonna start there regardless sure so um
0: and i i mean i have to think if he was responsible this would not be a cold case 25 years later like i have to hope that the police can do their job well enough um however i did find some weird information um in 1990 her husband christian was threatened and barely escaped being murdered himself so at the time they were living in a house and so in 1990 they were living in house a in 97 when charlotte was murdered they had literally just moved into a new house four or five weeks prior to her murder. Oh, wow. So up until they were in this new house, they had lived in the house where he was almost shot. So the timing feels weird, but a little bit more of the story here. So he was at home and a man with a loaded gun aimed the gun at Christian, and pulled the trigger, but the gun didn't fire. So if that happened to my husband, I would 100% be carrying a gun with me everywhere I went. But again, my brain is in 2022.
1: Was this a home invasion?
0: or what was the story i around couldn't this? find many details mm-hmm. um and it seemed like it was only christian that was involved um but it seems like it and it just that was also not ever solved like they don't know oh who it, wow from what i could find which again if it's all connected then the police are are keeping it very quiet. So it this is one of those cases where the police are doing a really good job of not leaking information, which stinks for us because there's <laughs> I can't find a whole lot, but um that could eventually mean that they are able to get to a resolution. Um so if we think about motive, I have to wonder if maybe whoever this person was was mad that the first time they tried to shoot christian it didn't work and maybe just saw the last name and christian and charlotte i mean they're both ch names they're they would look similar like written out with the shape of the letters Mm -hmm. and i kind of have to wonder if maybe someone thought they were seeking revenge on a murder that was failed seven years prior maybe but that's totally out of my brain and a long shot but it just seemed really sketchy
1: uh
0: (coughs) So Christian was eventually cleared in an article from the morning call published in December of 97. There was a headline that read police say husband not suspect in wife's death. So they did eventually clear him um, and they cleared like Christie and her boyfriend. And, you know, no one in the family is considered to be involved in this at all. So That leads us into theories, except there's really no official theories out there. So these are just kind of the ones I came up with from analyzing everything that I could find. So, Grace, feel free to add theories to this list or tell me that my theory is stupid.
1: It was lizard people.
0: It was lizard people. It's exactly Mm -hmm. what happened. That's what I think. (laughs) <laughs> so um like i just mentioned with that 1990 shooting attempt maybe someone was trying to target anyone in the family maybe they just saw the last name and thought that it was christian i don't know why there's a seven-year gap between them maybe something pulled the person away um maybe they were jailed for something else and then got out that or could be it. um i even think of you know like A lot of serial killers and serial assaulters um that didn't seem like a right word in my brain it was i don't think that's right (laughs) yeah i don't i don't even know people that assault other people on the regular um you'll often see times where life events change what they do um Golden State Killer is a great one. I was because just the, thinking that. I mean, the reason D'Angelo wasn't caught for so long was because he had three other aliases from three different neighborhoods doing different things. And they didn't think that they were all connected. I mean, until they realized that they were connected. But, you know, he moved. And so he would have a new area. And... um Who's the other one that got caught from the floppy disk? Mm, I'm not sure. It's another three-letter one. BTK. Oh. And I forget his name, but I can picture his face. Um, I think he was another one that wasn't something about like when his daughter was born or mm-hmm. through his daughter's early childhood but then when she was older he went back to doing things um i can't 100 percent remember but i mean we've seen it in other criminals that they kind of take a little bit of a hiatus for one reason or another and then they get back to it um, btk so- is
1: dennis raider by the way
0: thank you because
1: I know I'm pretty sure it's morbid they refuse to call him BTK because he yes, gave himself that he, name <laughs> yeah he created Dennis. the name himself yeah um so
0: like I said it's kind of a far fetch, but it's just an idea um the second thought is probably the most common thought and based on comments that I saw and just kind of my initial reaction to the case it that it was the client that she was meeting someone calls and says, Hey, I want to see this house. Doesn't matter who they send. She is the one that shows up. And because she's the one that shows up, she gets killed may or may not have been personal. They may or may not have known that she was the one that was taking those calls that day. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities there, but it is quite possible that, The person who was there for the showing is the one that strangled and shot her. Now, on the other side of it, I also think there's a possibility, again, given the limited evidence that the public has access to, that it was just a crime of opportunity. This house was vacant and secluded. Not a lot around it had a lot of land behind it that was woods. So it's quite possible that maybe a squatter was living in the house or that someone was living in the woods nearby or was just kind of creeping to see, like knowing that the house was for sale, maybe just kind of creeping on anyone that would go near it um, and then saw a beautiful woman and just kind of took the chance to Make her a victim. Um now, if this is the case, I would have to think it happened after the showing. Because if I'm gonna meet someone for a showing as a client, as someone that just wants to look at the house, if I get there and see another car there, and then try to like knock on the door, ring the doorbell, whatever. And nobody's answering, but that car is there, that's going to throw red flags in my mind. And I feel like she probably, this would have been a good question to ask the ladies I was talking to, um, but I, I can't imagine that she would get to the house to show it hours and hours and hours early in order for... Someone to shoot her and not be heard by a potential client coming to look at the house. So if it's not the client, I have to think there might be this possibility that there was someone just kind of lurking in the area. But I'm also thinking either the client didn't show or it would have had to happen after the showing.
1: I have to say, like, especially maybe the way I think now, it would have thrown up red flags, you know, seeing a car there knocking, no one answers. But in the 90s, when, of course, you didn't have like a lot of cell phones anyway. Right. um, And kind of not thinking in a true crime fashion, I might just think maybe... The car doesn't belong to like a real estate agent or anyone connected with the house just happens to be there. The real estate agent didn't make it or I probably would call the real estate Office? office. Yeah. But I don't know that I would immediately be suspicious of something happening. That's true. And I don't know if
0: the the person requesting the showing even knew if it was a vacant house, so I mean, for all, they knew it was a car of an owner. right.
1: yeah so that's that's a good point too. Um, but I just her I can't get over her being shot and strangled because it just seems like overkill and it doesn't seem to me like a crime of opportunity. And
0: both of the shots were in her head. yeah so again,. I couldn't find specifically where, um, and I don't know if it was from afar. I don't know if it was close up. Like Um, execution
1: style, two shots in the back of the head. But then like, why? Like, it's There's so many things you could speculate on because we just don't know. Yeah, so, and
0: I mean, pretty much the only thing I know is that she bled out a lot because the description of them finding her is that There was a lot of blood. So, but to shoot someone in the head, I mean, that's going to produce a lot of blood. So, yeah. I would have to almost think the strangulation happened
1: first. I would assume so. Like, why would you bother to strangle someone after shooting them in the head twice? Especially if they're laying in blood that's starting to pool. Because
0: the likelihood of you touching it. Mm -hmm. I mean, again... Touch DNA wasn't what it is now, but I mean, I think about growing up, watching CSI, like when it first started and they knew to trace fingerprints and they knew to look for, and that was late nineties, early aughts. So I have to think that people knew fingerprints could be traced.
1: Right. So, you know, you wouldn't want to touch blood and
0: then, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just i don't know i i'm flabbergasted that it could happen but it's insane Mm -hmm. it does seem like i said before that police feel as if they are close um so i'm hoping that the family will get some answers soon but honestly i'm just surprised that it can happen and Kind of surprised that we've never heard more about the dangers of real estate, but it's just one of those, you don't suspect it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It is, it's interesting. But
0: if you do have any information, please contact PA Crime Stoppers at 1-800-4PA-TIPS, which is 1-800-472-8477. All callers will remain anonymous and could be eligible for a cash reward for information that leads to an arrest or advancement in the case. That's all we have for this episode of the Keystone Cold Cases podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by me, Sarah. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.